Hey, it's Games, Grit, and Gratitude, Real Talk with Jean Leggett. Roger, it has been, I think, close to three months since we last recorded our episode three, which was Jean Jean, the Brand Machine. I don't even have a clever title for this episode yet, but you know, it'll, it'll come to us maybe at the end of this episode or maybe not. Like, does that defeat the whole purpose of like a clever brand that this is like brand part two? Well, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think, um, well, I think I, I, I will say this, the listeners, I know that people have been saying, Hey, where's the next episode? Where's the next episode? Right. And uh, and we love you. We, we love we you do. for it. We we do absolutely. Um, Jean and I have been taking care of ourselves, right? Like I've been going through some really rough things, and you've been going through some tough things, and and yeah, so heck yeah, heck yeah. And um, you know, uh, we joked about asteroids. <laughs> we nearly had one hit the planet, uh, <laughs> and the there were more fires. There is more civil unrest. The world is uh, a very challenging time. And, and I saw a really great tweet. I think it was by uh, Anna Miguel. And it was, uh, it might be by Anna Miguel. Like, that's, I sh- listeners, if you catch me a little bit confused today, it is because I am suffering delightfully through this podcast with a migraine and seven days of vertigo. So I have noticed I slur my word a little bit. And I'm not drunk. If I were going to drink during this podcast, I would rejoice in it. <laughs> but um, so I saw this great, great tweet. And it basically said, listen, uh, if you think the the Walking Dead people are always thinking about joyful things, no, some days they're like, oh, man, I didn't get eaten by zombies today. And that's a good thing. Mm. And so maybe that's how we need to take a look at this whole pandemic and world on fire um, and unrest is like, listen, some days is going to be the bare minimum uh, and some days going to be challenging. And so Roger and I just, we needed to take a little bit of time. You know, we had alternating issues (laughs) every time we'd get together. It just, it wouldn't work out, but here we are. And we are excited to do the branding part two. In fact, as you were talking, Roger, I was thinking, how about Jean Jean the sequel machine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we didn't have a title for this episode, but that's a really good, that is a good name for the episode. I don't know. It's it's cheesy, but hey, cheesy seems to be part of my brand. Yeah. And yeah, I like it. I like it. So we'll we'll uh, we'll include that as the title of the episode. All right. Jean Jean the sequel machine. Yeah. Since our last <laughs> uh so since we recorded, so one thing that I will say, we recorded three episodes um without any feedback because you know we recorded these and then we released them. But we did get feedback now. We do have some reviews. So do you want to read through some of those? I I would love to read some of them. So I don't have names attached to all of the reviews, but I've been told how much people have found it to be wholesome, that they love it, that our industry needs this. They love our voice and banter. Uh, I love, uh, Chris Fournier wrote, I'm listening to the second episode of your podcast and I laugh every time you say sorry because you say it the Canadian way. <laughs> and he's not, he, they're not talking about me. That's for sure. They're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, we did actually have one furniture joke, hashtag furniture jokes. The furniture store keeps calling me. All I wanted was one nightstand. 
but I'm chum. Okay. <laughs> no, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. And, you know, two of the other uh, uh, nice things that people had said was, I just love listening to the first episode. I love the way you're bringing wisdom and empathy into a space where it's been lacking. I really got the Brene Brown vibes. Mm. And I love that you're recommending people do work on themselves outside the podcast. So if you are checking out the podcast on Spotify or iTunes or any other platform that isn't Podbean, make sure that you go to g3realtalk.com because that'll take you to the episode list on Podbean that has the hyperlinks to resource documents that we mentioned in the episode, but also the actual worksheets that come with every episode. Because sometimes we talk about business development stuff and there's personal personal development things. Um, and Chris Solarski says, you know, this is a really valuable podcast with, you know, looking at game development life and self-care and business management, etc. Um, it's full of wisdom, experience and empathy, like so many wonderful tweets. So thank you very much for tweeting kind things and for sharing out the podcast. It really means a lot to us. And, and Roger, I think there was like an iTunes uh, review that somebody had left. Well, they left a five star review, so there was no a comment, five star review. Five I have star. to say, I appreciate five star reviews, and if you want to leave us a five star review, I will hug you virtually, <laughs> and then maybe in person, uh, provided you have bathed at our next in person event. <laughs> it's hey, 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 your requirements are actually quite low, actually. <laughs> you're laughing it's a very reasonable requirement clarity equals cash that's right um that's right that's right but leaving us reviews also help us grow the podcast uh this is how itunes works this is how these podcast servers work right that they skim through there they look at the reviews and then they help us grow the podcast by raising us up in the search engine optimization of the podcast but then also helps gene and i too because when we get feedback from you helps us grow uh, as well as people. Yeah. And we really do want to, you know, um, as much as we want to be able to deliver two a month, that's what we're going to aim for. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to fall short and, and I'm not going to really terribly apologize for it. I mean, Roger has a full-time job and he has a family <laughs> and, and I have a full-time job and I have a family of stuffed animals who deeply need me. <laughs> um, and, and also Blair, who is a giant stuffed animal and, um, and I love him. I love him dearly. Yeah. Yeah. So again, appreciate all the support. Really do. So yeah. All right, Gene, let's pick up from where we were last time. So we're talking about branding. And yes. um, and we, we left off, we started talking a little bit about the personal brand versus their business brand. So mm-hmm. let's let's start with that then. What what are let's let's I guess let's revisit that. What are some do's and don'ts on social media and being consistent with your brand? Can we can we just highlight some of those things again? Sure. Uh, you know, like if you want me to specifically go back to what I said in episode three, that's going to require me to go back <laughs> to episode three. So you're very cruel. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, I, I think Will, <laughs> Will Wheaton's memory recall with vertigo is not a great thing. Yeah. Will Wheaton's rule of don't be a dick is a really great one. There you go. Right. There and, um, you know, it's, it's super interesting because you kind of want to maintain a presence of who's going to see the social media account that you are running. So if you are using your social media account for personal and business purposes, i.e. you want to be known and hired based on your online persona, uh, 
are your target clients going to embrace what you have to say? So if you are an abrasive jerk, uh, is that your target client? Are they really into abrasive jerks? Then, hey, fantastic. You're in alignment with their values. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, and if that's not the kind of people that you want to attract as employers, as clients or whatever, then really give some thought and consideration into how you show up. Um, we can talk a little bit about some best practices as well. I actually like that a lot. Like, I think that's, I think that's the hardest part. Well, I shouldn't say the hardest part, but I think that's something that's missed when it comes to social media, right? It's how you show up. I like that phrase right there because I think a lot of people have this feeling that behind social media, you're hidden behind social media. You're behind a screen. Mm. You're not like in person with people. And the idea of showing up is still relevant, but I just think people may forget that that's relevant, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense to me. And I think the other piece of it is with the anonymity of the internet. And sometimes people forget that on the other side of that equation is a human being. And so they say and, and they say and they tweet things that are just, you wouldn't really say that to somebody's face unless you're a hateful turd. Mm. Um, See, I've changed my vernacular from flaming garbage (laughs) pile to hateful turd. Um, Still set both on fire. (laughs) I'm feeling saucy tonight, folks. And, um, and, and yeah, so keep in mind that how you show up and how you treat people is, listen, at the end of the day, when your name gets mentioned in a conversation, how do you want people to regard you? And for me, it's, I want people to go, Jean Leggett, oh, she's really nice, or she's, you know, she gives back, and and she does nice, so I do the things that would garner me that appropriate, you know, accolade. It's like, I I give back, and I try to be kind and thoughtful. Do I get it right all the time? No. Nobody is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really big piece of it, is just treat people with dignity and care. Yeah. That's that's good. Um, let's start by talking about the rule of threes. What is the rule of threes and what, uh, what is that? What does that mean? Well, I wanted to point out that in the show notes for this episode, we're going to include an article uh, that Hootsuite had put out, which is on social media best practices. I found it very helpful. And, and I had learned about the rule of threes quite a while ago. So let me just, if you don't mind, Roger, I'm just going to go through a couple of the best practices in this article. Yeah, and, um, because it talks about the, the business side of things in terms of your branding on social media. And by branding, I, I think in this instance, to be clear, I'm, I'm talking about the messaging piece as opposed to like logo type branding. Okay. So one is you should know everything about your audience as, as much as you can. So if you are, say, example, you are creating a game and you want to learn something about your audience, then find other games that have similar audiences and find out a little bit about their demographics, their age, where they live, you know, you can find out all sorts of super creepy things <laughs> through Twitter demographics and Facebook analytics. Listen, this stuff is used for evil. I get it. Um, but if you really want to understand your audience to purchase the things that you create, then you'll, you'll have to understand a little bit about them, what stage of life they're at. Listen, I get ads. I'm get, I'm getting ads for the 40 plus year old woman, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, ads for water bottles are innocuous. Um, def- gravity defying bras are interesting <laughs> and, um, seemingly illegal weight loss techniques. Mm. So, uh, none of which, well, I like the water bottle. I did buy a new water bottle this week. So the other thing is understanding where your audience is. So what platform they're on. We talked briefly about that last time, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok is this huge thing among the young, young demographic. Uh, by the way, all of the platforms are collecting your user data and they're just harvesting it. So nothing is innocuous. Thank you very much. Uh, and then I think the other thing that the Hootsuite article mentions that's really important is have a freaking plan, set some freaking goals. Mm. Freaking is my emphasis. Thank you very much. Yeah. So if you do have an objective to grow your brand, then your goal might be about building awareness and and tracking those metrics of like how many impressions you're getting on your video, your um, screenshots, your content, those metrics might include your followers and shares. I track that on a monthly basis. Mm. I want to see month over month how, how my various platforms are doing for not just my own personal self, but for my business as well. If you want to turn customers into advocates. So then you want to see the engagement piece of it and you want to see the, the likes and the comments and the reviews and things like that. So, and then, you know, so this article goes on about some other business objectives like driving leads and sales and conversion rates and for the longest time I saw those as like, eh, those are creepy things, but come on. Uh, games are either going to be art or business or somewhere in between. And if you're looking at any aspect of business, then you need to understand that your objective as a games creator is to drive leads and sales. Yeah. And that means you need to convert people into buying customers, uh, not pirate customers. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, we're not even at the rule of thirds yet, but, uh, <laughs> this is, it's a, it's a super great article. It really is. And, and I think that, you know, I, I was talking with one of my mentees today and she was asking me a lot of these questions. I said, Oh, just wait till episode four, mm. you know, just cause she was already listening to the show. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, like one extra listener. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, um, but this idea of like do an audit and figure out who is engaging with you. Mm. Is it the same two people from your your city <laughs> that only two people uh, are interested in your company and they happen to be, you know, related to you? Yeah. Then you may have an awareness issue, right? Who are your competitors? Pay attention to who's talking about you mm. and and stay stay connected to what's happening in the industry around you. Mm. So, oh, now we can talk about rule of thirds. Can I can I just jump in though? Can I say one quick question? No. <laughs> I just I, no, because what you said there. Of course. Um really <sighs> one part that really interested me was, you know, you look at the demographics. You look at the data, I should say, not the demographics, but you look yes. at the data from month to month. So, what do you do with that data after you look at it? So, if I see like for instance, my engagements are dipping from month to month. Like what what do you do? With that data, that makes you change your business practices, I guess. That makes sense. Well, I mean, there's going to be a natural, uh, I think they call it a, a long tail. So the idea that when you launch a product, there's tremendous amount of interest up front because you've done all of this work for the, the pre-launch excitement, then you have the launch excitement, and then things tend to tail off mm. unless you have a, a constant plan for engagement 
And, and you and I were just talking about this before the episode aired. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we had a strong first episode in terms of downloads, but we also had a lot of social media shares because we have a lot of friends that wanted to support us and, and make sure that the podcast got out there. And, and so we lost about half of our audience for the second episode, but uh, we didn't lose any, we actually gained people on the third episode. So I think that's actually really good. Yeah. So what, what can you do? Make sure that you have an engaging content media strategy okay. and make sure that you're serving them things that they find of value. And, and for some games companies, if they are in the, the downloadable games content space, then they're always going to have something new to say, mm. but they could also do things like send us your fan art and we'll share your fan art or, you know, take gifts, gifts of you playing, um, of you streaming mm. and, and send that to us so that we can share. So like, there's lots of things that games companies can do to boost that engagement, which just makes those numbers healthier. Sure. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Again, I'm not the expert on the marketing piece, but this is this is what I've been hearing and reading from a lot of other people. Yeah. And I was I was just curious with with what you do with that data, right? Because of the fact that I I mean, I look at some of the data from like stuff that I worked on or work on, right? But I just it's overwhelming. It's like, okay, what do I do with this now? Like I don't know what the next step is. That that's that's where I was just yeah. trying to get your thoughts on that. Well, and, and, you know, our, our one project has been quite silent for the last 18 months. And so I can see the numbers either stagnate or even drop off because mm. people, people are going through when they're calling or they're deleting their social media or whatever. And I try not to get too busy and too preoccupied with, with that piece of it. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, I, there are some really great, I, I've downloaded some, um, some business development forms that I want to take a look at before I'll recommend to people. But there are tons and tons of resources out there on like how to make a social media engagement calendar. Mm. And it literally is a step-by-step. Here's what you need to be posting week after week. You know, Mondays, you post this kind of thing. Tuesdays, you post this kind of thing. And it's just, it's very structured. It's a discipline. Yeah. When we're talking about all of this, what we're talking about is a business. Yeah. Right. And um, I had a conversation with somebody in the industry, uh, Evan from Stitch Media and I were chatting yesterday, if time really exists. And, <laughs> and we were talking about how in some countries they have arts funding and arts funding also applies to game creators. Mm. Most countries have business funding that applies to game creators. So we don't really foster this idea that the expression of artistic ideals we're not giving a lot of money. We'll give that to poets. We'll give that to painters, but we're not giving that a lot to game devs, which is what we need. Mm. And everybody's so focused on the business stuff, which is great. But so many of us had to learn the hard business stuff, like by smacking our face on the concrete. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, yeah. I think that also, um, I know I've talked to some people that said, boy, the first thing we realized we needed was a marketing person, right? Somebody that can run our social media, yeah. somebody that can get our name out there. Um, I've interviewed and, developers that said that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And Roger, uh, we're going to get into good hires, bad hires yes, in episode five. And I'm going to tell you about the doozy of a marketing person that I hired that, um, let's just say, has been a supreme disappointment to the industry, not just me. 
All right. Well, look forward. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. look forward to that for next episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And you know what? It's such a common thing that happens in our industry. Um, and it's just, I'm not besmirching, uh, marketing people. Bad consultants are a, a, a plenty, yeah. a lot of great consultants, sure. but we're going to, so if you wanted to hire somebody in marketing, let's just talk about what you should look for. Right. Most marketers are not going to want to give you hard numbers on the campaigns that they have previously run for their clients because they don't want to give away that confidentiality piece. You need to press them really hard on what campaigns that they set up, what were their customer acquisition costs, their click-through rates, the the percentage of their audience growth. Like They have to give you some freaking definitive proof mm. that they know what their job is because what I did is I got suckered in by a gregarious blonde extrovert. And um, so for those of you listening and you know who it is, wink, wink, um, I got suckered in by flattery mm. because I was a newbie and she said she was a marketing expert. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, I, I did not experience evidence of that. Mm. <laughs> That's all I can say. And, and from here on out, I'm very careful to say, listen, I need to see some definitive metrics that the work, they can't guarantee that your work is going to go viral or that it's going to be a huge hit. You can't. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm doing resume consultations. They're my, my resume consultation work is like on fire right now. It's amazing, but I cannot guarantee that my amazing resume that I work with people on is going to get them a job. Right. 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 I Just the same thing. A marketing person cannot guarantee, but you need, they need to be able to demonstrate that they have the core competencies in the messaging, the social media planning and professionalism. Yeah. So that's a big piece of it. Um. So I think you said we're going to get into that more with, episode five right because i have i have some we're gonna questions we're gonna about talk that. about like red flags yeah. and stuff okay. yeah because i i have yeah. some more questions on that but i don't want to go down that rabbit hole if we're going to be talking about <laughs> that in, in the next episode um yeah the role so rule of thirds rule of thirds yeah what is that what is this what is this what <laughs> is what is this so Rule of thirds, I would say more applies to personal brands than it does business brands. Okay. Because um, you'll see that business brands, once I explain the rule of thirds, you'll be like, huh, okay, I can see that business brands don't really follow the rule of thirds. So when you're sharing content, what is the purpose of your sharing content? One is to promote yourself or your business. Uh, I like how Hootsuite puts it. One third of the content that you tweet should be sharing posts to promote your business, to convert readers, and to generate profits. Okay. Well, that's a reasonable thing for a business to do. <laughs> right. This seems like the, right? the three things you should be doing as a business, right? Hmm. <laughs> One third of your tweets should be the sharing of ideas from influencers in your industry okay. or like-minded businesses. Okay. So, so that establishes that you understand what's going on in your business, that you find it relevant, etc., And one third sharing should be personal stories to build your brand. Now, I actually, that rule of three, um, I, my rule of three is one, write your stuff following the don't be a dick rule, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So stay in alignment with your core values. I think that as long as your core values are kind and humane and have empathy and equality, 
tweet all you like, people. Tweet all you like. The rest of you just shut up. Okay. The 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 second third should be retweeting or what I call amplifying other people's content. So it's either professional content or other amplifying things that are in alignment with your values. But this sort of like fills in a little bit more of the picture of who you are and what you stand for. And then the third piece is engagement, Mm. right? So I notice that sometimes people use Twitter as a one-way mouthpiece. Uh, I often get followers who... I'll be like, oh, new follower. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to click on them, see what they're all about. 30,000 followers followed by 30,000 people. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, me th- thinks that there's not an authenticity ratio here. Yeah. And they'll immediately unfollow you in a week if you don't follow them, right? Right. It's, and then you look at their tweets and it's just like, buy my book, buy my book, yeah. buy my book, yeah. buy my book. No engagement with people. There's no, there's no humanity behind those accounts. Right. And and you'll see that with brands too, like strictly corporate brands that haven't learned how to engage with people. Um, they will just be like, here's the new product by ABC Core. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you get brands like Wendy's and Pure Moon Cash, Pie yes. and uh, what do I love? I love Arby's. Arby's um, you know, some of these brands – they must have hired some stand-up comics to run their social media, <laughs> but they're funny. They're engaging. They also reply to people in timely fashion. So there are some really clever people out there that are doing a great job. Nice. And Wendy's and Arby's, if you're listening, if you want to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a Frosty every now oh, and that's then. Right. Um, the other thing that I would add to that with the, the engagement piece, um, mm-hmm. so I've seen this a lot and you follow somebody and also you'll get a, and this is more from a Twitter perspective. Cause I use mainly Twitter as my, as my social media. Um, but I'll get a DM right back from them saying, Hey, thanks for the follow. Check out my new site. Subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa. This is not personal to me, right? You're just selling whatever you're selling right now. Yeah. And I, didn't, I get that a lot on LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it happens in all, all social media, but yeah. it's just, yeah. it's just weird and it feels really, you know, not genuine. It just, it just feels weird. Yeah. I, I think I used to see more of that back in the day. Like I, I follow less than 400 people. Uh, I, I unfollowed a bunch of people. People took it personally and they're like, I hate Jean Nugget now. <laughs> Wow, I, clearly my my brand of empathy and kindness. You were just here for the follow back. All right. Okay. Um that's on you, not on me. And and so I don't follow people anymore except like today I followed a cute dinosaur cartoon account. Oh. I was like that's that's some joy. I needed some more freaking joy in my life. Yeah. And and it's going to be saucy, you know, stegosaurus. <laughs> Nice. Uh, um, so, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that then, because we have some best practices, right? You have some best practices. So what are some best practices when it comes to branding? And what is... So I had this in my notes, and maybe, yeah, this, you did. maybe this is not right. I'm not sure. <laughs> what is business profiling? What is that? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, we wrote this down <laughs> four months ago, Roger. Four months ago. And uh, I think really what it is, is 
getting clear on what your business is all about. Mm. Right. So I pulled up something called the lean canvas, which is one of the activities that we did when we, you know, it, so a lean canvas, for those of you who are listening, it's meant to be a one page document where you identify the problem that your business is solving, the solution, the unique value proposition, the unfair advantage that you have, the customer segments, including the target market and early adopters, key metrics you should be measuring, the channels and the cost and the revenue stream. So mm. like that was a lot that I just said, yeah. and and I'll include a blank one as part of the resource documents if people are interested in that. Oh, for you, the sham wow, I'll include that in the show notes. <laughs> so you'll be able to go and look at this. And, and so the idea is the more clear, clarity equals cash, clarity equals cash. Seems like a theme. The more clear you are. I know. <laughs> hey, listen, when you're clear, people understand what it is that you're selling to them. Yeah. And... Um, I saw a, a game trailer earlier today and I was like, the art looks cool. I don't know what kind of game it is though. Mm, mm. Uh, you haven't shown me the gameplay. Yeah. That might be intentional. <laughs> I don't know. Right. But, um, but the more clear that you can get about when we talked about vision and mission and branding over the last couple of episodes, the easier it is to figure out how to show up in the world. Sure. So you're, public persona, your public brand and your company brand all has to come from a place of like, what is the thing that you are bringing to the market? How are you serving people? Who are you serving? All of those things should come into play when you're thinking about, for example, designing your logo. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, uh, can we talk about that next then? I mean, can we move into that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, because that's one thing I wanted to talk about too. So when you're thinking about designing your local, what kind of questions do you ask a designer? What kind of things should you be thinking about uh, for yourself when you're thinking about design of a local? Um, well, a good designer should be asking all the questions. Okay, that's a so good point. That's a good point. What 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 you should be asking from a designer is, may I see your previous clients' logos? <laughs> okay, all right, that's a good point. That's <laughs> because. Uh, listen, uh, I could draw a circle and two slashes and a curved line, and that could be a smiley face, or it could be something very weird. Um, there, there are some very talented people out there, right? Mm-hmm. Talented graphic designers, talented. There's the, there's the vertigo. Talented. There are talented graphic designers out there who will have questions like, what is the feel that you want for your customers? Mm. Are there, are there colors that have an emotional value for you as a brand? What is your company mission and vision? Right. So when we were thinking about doing the branding for one more story games, the things that came up were curiosity and imagination and mm. world building. And so if you look at the logo for one more story games, it's an open book and it's Kind of borrowing from like the Disney thing that's got like the castle in the background, but it's not. It's a cityscape, but it, it has like that round halo thing happening. And, and it's, we used, um, iridescent gold with a little bit of, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. Radiate. It radiates like a nice gold comfort mm, to it. Yeah. 
And so when you look at our logo, it seems to fit those values of curiosity and wonder and exploration. Nice. So your graphic designer should not just go, what do you want? And they should say, what's important? Like, what do you really want to evoke with your brand? And I know that oftentimes when people get started with their studios, they just, they just want to get started and maybe they'll hire somebody off of Fiverr, but And yeah, brands change over years. We've seen major brands change their logos over the years. But for the most part, you want to pick something that's iconic that will will stand the test of time. Yeah, Uh, that's good. So let's talk more about social media then, specifically the follow-unfollow behavior uh, and the idea of a follow for a follow. So I, I, I think I already know your... Uh, your your philosophy or your thoughts on that. Um, I will say for myself, a lot of times I feel like I have to like, oh, this person followed me. I should follow them back. And and I and I will say this. This is also very naive of me, right? But when I first started on, so this is many, 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 many moons ago. And I I think I feel like I know Twitter better now. But back when I first started, I didn't know Twitter at all. And I would get really weird people. I shouldn't say weird. Weird accounts following me that. <laughs> um, I don't think that they were there for anything but to promote their bodies, if that makes sense, right? And I was like, why is this oh. person following me? Oh, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs> Boobies are not scary, Roger. Boobies are not scary. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's it's easy to get followed by these bots. I actually, yeah. I, I go through my follower list, and if I see somebody's clearly a bot, I just block them. Yeah. Because I would rather have my, my account numbers reflect at least some authenticity yeah and and yeah i think there is this natural inclination you're either wired to be like "Ooh, oh i got a follower people like me mm-hmm. or oh my god i don't want anybody to know that i exist uh if you're talking about from like a personal brand i think it all depends on what you're driven by you know i look at some of these more well-known people figures in games that are women especially um, once they, once they reach the 10 to 15,000 follower mark, I've, I've heard them say that it becomes very difficult to manage the noise that's directed at them. Mm. And so I don't know. I, I'd like to keep my numbers small. Uh, don't like me. No, I'm just kidding. Please like me. But I don't follow back because for me, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just get through my day and and connect with the people that have meaning in my immediate periphery. Mm. That doesn't mean that I don't see other people's tweets that I'm not following. I do, and I engage with those people. But you need to to follow personally the people that uh, bring value to your life somehow, either personally or expand your worldview. Okay. So. So there's that. On the business side of things, you really want to be careful about who you follow back as a business because we all know it's not an endorsement that a company might follow somebody who accidentally, well, they don't accidentally turn out to be a white supremacist, but because that's not an accident. But you want to be mindful about the the people that you are following as a company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, there are some bad, bad there are turd-like people mm-hmm. in in every industry, and you don't really want to be following those people because people get the wrong idea. Also, people will develop block lists, yeah. and they will block anybody who is following somebody. Yeah. 
and and I've been on the receiving end of a block list mm. and literally there's there's a couple of high profile people in games that subscribe to the block list and I'm blocked from seeing their content have never engaged with them. I'm like, "All right." But I also follow a block list and and so that that same thing happens to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I cuz I think there's times where I'm on a block list too and I was like, "I've never engaged with this person," but it's probably yeah. because of the fact that, yeah, it's part of that list. You might follow somebody that they really hate. Right. Or uh, you just got added to a block list for no other reason, and there you are. Sure. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So how do you have quality engagement with your audience on social media then? So, Because I will say this. It is, and we kind of alluded to this, right, where some, you know, I think it's a it's a realization uh, among smaller developers or smaller studios, I should say, that, oh my goodness, I can't do this 24 hours, otherwise I'm not making a game, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you yeah. do that? How do you manage that? How do you, outside of hiring somebody to do that for you, how do you have engaging, uh, engaging social media, uh, quality social media? And, and and still keeping sane, if you if that makes sense. <laughs> well, the the sanity piece is truly questionable. I I think about <laughs> I think about some of the clients that I've recently had who are in social media and community, and they had traditional day jobs outside of games, but they really wanted to get their feet wet in games, so they took on additional pro bono work. Hmm at games companies so that they could actually have on their resume proof that they have experience with doing community and social work. I think ideally everybody gets paid, but there are many instances for which nobody is getting paid. So that's just, that's just part of our industry. Nobody's getting paid. Um, Ideally, if you're a solo developer, you'll spend at least half an hour to two hours a week, at least planning out the things that you want to tweet and just checking in once a day to see if people have engaged with it. Sure. You don't have to live on Twitter. I live on Twitter. It's <sighs> not a healthy address. <laughs> uh, I spend far too much time on Twitter, but I also really enjoy the people that I engage with on Twitter. As a company, I have not tweeted as a company in a very long time. Mm. I don't have a social media plan because that's all sort of been on the back burner. But I'm super excited because we're ramping back up nice. into like one more story games 2.0, which means part of that is getting back on board with scheduled tweets and content engagement. And we might even do our live developer chats, which we used to do back in the day. Nice. And we were like, oh, look, it's the Blair and Jean show. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it is time. It is work. And, and that's why, you know, I'm sorry that you had to wait a whole three weeks before you got this episode, folks. But this is work that Roger and I do as enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And, and so it makes it fun work. But we also have, um, schedules that are just like, they're super demanding. But we show up because this is, this is what we love. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we love. And we're just, we're just going to do our best. So I think it's do your best and be intentional about it and have a plan. And you'll find that that minimizes the responsibility or the, the time commitment for small teams. 
And if you can, find somebody that's willing to put in the extra two to three hours a week to manage the social media piece of it. Because once you start moving into early access and Discord channels and things like that, that requires more time. Mm. Um, but there are always, there are always people that are available for part time hours and until you can manage to hire somebody full time to manage your community and social. Yeah. And I, I personally have found, uh, like, like services like Hootsuite to be very, very helpful. Um, cause I'll spend just Sunday evening planning out all my tweets for the rest of the week. Oh. And then I just plan it for the rest of the week. And then I don't, I don't have to, I mean, I still am engaged during the week, right? I'll still retweet things or, or get engaged mm-hmm. with, with folks, but the standard posts that I'll be doing, or if I have posts for like game reviews that, that my site have done, I'll have those all set up ahead of time. So I don't have to worry about, um, or, or the podcast, right? So like I tweet out podcasts as well. Um, so yeah. that way I don't have to sit there and say, Oh, I have to do this today. I, I, I take time out of my, this is my Sunday evening schedule. This is what I'm going to do. And I spend maybe two hours, two or three hours doing that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just makes it efficient, right? Right. It's, um, the last thing you ever want to be as a, as a company is one sided where it's just like you're just talking into the void. Yeah. And, um, it just, it feels like you're being sold to. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a conversation. Yeah. And, and a, a good strategy for branding and, and messaging is to have a conversation. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about, Roger, when we first set out to do the show, we're like, okay, first couple of episodes, it's going to be me. I'm going to be sharing my experience and we'll have this banter back and forth. This lovely banter. I love the banter. Yeah. Yeah. You're so enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. Roger. (laughs) That was, that was, Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> we have great banter. And, and then we were like, hey, we're going to have some experts on the show to talk about other stuff. Yeah. And and then I just realized, you know, and I have some feedback that I got from a couple of listeners was, we don't need experts. We just want to hear you and Roger. I'm like, mm. okay. So there are some other really great podcasts that have experts that dive really deeply into other things. Um so you can go and listen to the virtual economy podcast, which is really great. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, hosted by the wonderful Amanda and Mike. They're, they're fantastic. They mm. have like industry bigwigs come and talk and they also talk about like the real strategic business side of games. Mm. And, and this I wanted to keep more as like, here are the personal anecdotes of the hell we've gone through in this, this and this. And here are the successes in this, this and this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, because I think, well, what we set out to you is that this show is going to be very personal, right? Like, not mm-hmm. like your personal journey, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. about it's about uh, what you've experienced. Um, because we said this in an early episode, but I think it's really easy for people that make it successful or they are successful and they make it in the business or they make an industry and they're like anybody can do it look at me i did it and then you're like but i didn't how did you do it and i'm struggling right so it's nice to hear hey you know what those people struggled like this is this is real life this is what happens right and how do you deal with that Uh, hashtag this is real life this is real life this is hashtag this is real dev life maybe that's the hashtag for this episode i do not know yeah um you know i was thinking about the past year and a half and how i've managed to bring in 
game dev and coaching into they've they've converged and for the longest time I kept them very separate because mm. you know I've been coaching for 12 years and I've been a game dev for six and a half uh the two worlds did not collide and then they collided and I have been like bonkers crazy since June which has been really wonderful because I would love to be a full-time game dev we're slowly transitioning back into you know, ramping up the company and, and doing more great things, but I'm still doing the coaching stuff. I would not have the success of the coaching if I hadn't done and generated the goodwill mm-hmm. through all of my game dev commitment and community building that I've done. So that the success that I'm having as a coach is twofold. It's a testament to my coaching skills, but also it's a testament to the brand and how I show up in the world and in the community. Yeah. Nice. So I'm hoping that when people listen to this podcast, uh, this episode, other episodes, right. That not only are they, they walking away with something about how they can build their brand, how they can build off of what they have already and build them, you know, both from a business perspective and personally, but I also hope that they understand that, hey, they're not alone, right? That this... Oh my God, yes. Right, so... Yes. Uh, I'll share I'll share an anecdote in the next episode about a conversation I had with one of my mentees this morning because mm. she hired some some mm, questionable contractors and, and it was a very frustrating experience for her. And I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And so many people I know have been there. And like you said, it's, it's all about empathy and understanding. And if you're, you know, you're on your walk, and you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, Oh, my God, me too, Jean, me too. Then then just leave us a note and say, I did this too, or this happened to me and solidarity sister. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. One last question of this podcast, and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, Um, Oh, boy. So we talked about you know, branding yourself. We talked about the things that you should pay attention to when you're designing your logo, uh, your social media posts, what it means to have followers, how to be engagement, blah, blah, blah. How do you actually break into a crowded market? And this is a question I ask when I interview developers. I ask this all the time. How do you actually make yourself known in like in, in a sea of so many different you know, not only games, right? And I talked to one developer and I thought it was really interesting. He said, I'm not just competing against other games that are on, you know, on platforms in the, in their shops, on the, on their, on their game shops, but I'm also competing against Netflix and I'm competing against, you know, uh, Hulu. I'm competing against anything that, that they can spend their time doing other, uh, entertainment and not playing my game. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you break into this industry? It's so, so hard, I would think. Well, I think that comes back to that lean canvas that I was talking about. Like, what is the problem? What is the thing? What is the solution that you are bringing to that client? Mm. What is the unique value proposition? Right? Uh, I think it was, gosh, I think it's been a year and a half, but time means nothing anymore. There was a company that outright went and ripped off Cuphead's animation. Mm. Like, it looked... Frame by frame, it was a ripoff. Yeah. And the mechanics and everything. And and they were just like, look at this amazing thing that we've done. And an homage. It's like, no, it's you ripped them right off. Yeah. However, so two arguments can be made. Look at this homage to Cuphead. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
So Cuphead fans who have finished Cuphead who might go, hey, I want more Cuphead-like things, they might gravitate towards that. Sure. And other people are going to go, oh, that's really gross. Can't you be creative? Yeah. Now, our industry is chock-a-block full of ripoffs and, and repeats and sequels. Nobody likes a sequel except when it's Gene Gene the Sequel Machine. <laughs> So you <laughs> way to way to brand that again, Gene. That was awesome. That's right. That's right. It's the callback, right? Yeah. The stand-up comedy callback. That's right. And so, what is the the uni- unique defining value or mechanic or piece of the thing that you are creating? You know, Untitled Goose Game. Look at that crazy thing. <laughs> Look at this. The brilliance of these. This one goose. Now it's two goose. You mm. know, duck, duck, goose. Where's the duck? I'm waiting for the duck. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, or two ducks, I should say. And, and so like, what is unique about it? And, and how can you create and brand? So they did very clever social media as this very small team. Yeah. But it was just, they were so consistent. Like we talk about consistency, consistency, consistency. So get clear on the message and then be consistent. Mm. Right. The, um, somebody somehow I went through like a, a Facebook rabbit hole. I'm sorry for still being on Facebook people. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, we already said this, but you're not my friend on Facebook. We got to change that by the way. I'm very bitter, <laughs> very bitter. Um, so I fell down this Facebook rabbit hole and I saw like it was, um, I think we briefly talked about this. My parents are deaf. My sister is deaf. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was like a family, of two deaf parents and their hearing children. And they, they wanted to do like this online, like videos and they were going to be cute. And I guess they were hoping to go viral, mm. but I went through their history to see what their posts were. And literally they were only posting for a week. They mm. created a channel and they had less than 30 followers and they posted for a week and then they gave up. Yeah. So how do you break into a crowded market? You got to be consistent about it. Yeah. That's right. That's, I mean, when you were talking through that, all the, all the connect, I mean, it just seems like a light bulb went off in my head because it's so weird to, because when I see games like the Untitled Goose game or I see other games, um, like Cuphead, um, you know, they are very successful, right? And, and, and I, and I, and I just sat there and thought, how are they so successful? How, how are they so successful? Well, I mean, money from Xbox certainly well, doesn't hurt. Absolutely. That doesn't, ha- that doesn't hurt. But, but I do think that the consistency of their message, I think that yes. is really, really, really important, right? Cause they knew exactly what's important. They knew exactly how to market, right? And they, they were never off subject. They, like, I, it, yeah. it's it's amazing that when you said that i was like oh my gosh like i never even thought of that and that's i think the brilliant of it is the fact that i didn't realize how consistent they were because they were so consistent if that makes sense <laughs> it was subliminal yeah it you know really if you become so skilled at the the branding piece of it people won't realize that they're being sold anything yeah. because it's just naturally integrated into how they view you as a company they don't yes. see those as two separate streams yeah and I remember, you know, I was showing one of my mentees something and, and I was talking about this guy that I hired to do a trailer for our Lily Bard game like two years ago when mm. we were ready to do a trailer. And so he did a trailer and art game is all 2D art. There's not a lot of exciting things that you could do with 2D art, but he did a trailer and not in, in a single image, not a single image of his trailer 
included any of the narrative mm. from the game. I'm like, dude, it's a <laughs> narrative game. Maybe we should demonstrate there are words. And there's a lot of reading in our game because it's book meets game. It's a novelization hybrid yeah. of a game. Yeah. And so... If you're not consistent, like people are going to show up and totally misunderstand what you have to offer. They're going to get angry with what you have to offer. Mm. They're going to feel betrayed. And the Mm -hmm. moment you feel, the moment one of your customers, your players, whatever you want to call them in whatever field you're creating for, your audience, when your audience feels betrayed, it's really hard to get them back. Yeah. So that's why the consistency thing is so key. And in order to be consistent, you have to be clear. Mm. So you, it's like, it's a, it's a cascading effect, right? In order to have the cascading effect of cash, you must have clarity and consistency. Bam. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, well, that's the questions that I had for you this week. Um, wow. Well, and, and next episode, <laughs> next episode, tune in, folks. You're not going to want to miss episode five. <laughs> it is going to be the saucy and salacious. Um, I'm not going to name names in that episode, but I am going to talk about some of the challenges that you may have in starting a studio when it comes to hiring people and consultants mm. and and best practices, like things that you need to look out for. So that's going to be like, you're going to hear about my marriage and how my marriage nearly fell apart. Mm. Uh, and, and I, I don't think that's like salacious at all. It's just, it's just what happened yeah. and it happens to a lot of people. So, I want to share that with folks so that they understand that they don't have to feel shame about it. So that's going to be a great episode. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to wrap up with some gratitude, Roger, let's close the show out. Yeah. Uh, So, Gene, what are you grateful for this week? I am grateful for, oh, my God, I've had the most amazing testimonials as a coach that make me cry. Like, I miss miss doing full-time game dev. But I am changing people's lives as a coach, and hmm. it is so humbling to know that I'm like changing the trajectory of people's lives. Yeah. So, um, so I bought myself a little present to celebrate how well I've done. Nice. And and my present arrives in two days. So Yay. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I get to do something that I love, and and that I can buy myself a nice thing once in a while. Nice. That's nice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We got to celebrate our wins. That's right. Um. For myself, How about you? yeah. For myself, I am. <laughs> there's a lot to be grateful for. Um, yeah. I also am very grateful for the fact that um, I have a job that I absolutely love, and I mm. I never thought this was ever going to happen to me. But I have a job where I don't feel like I'm working; like I feel like I'm having fun every day. Yeah. And I was like, this. I you know, you hear people say that, like, oh, if you have a job that's fun, you'll never feel like you're working. I'm like, yeah, that's never going to happen to me. But it did, and. It's awesome. And I just can't, I can't get over the fact that every day, the stuff that I do, it's just, it's, I don't know. I have so much fun with what I do. Um, and I get to be myself and it's just, it's fun. Like I get to be like in other jobs, I always had to be very, um, I, just, I, I, I realized that I created a version of myself that wasn't really myself for the mm. jobs that I had before. I worked in IT a lot. Right. And, and not that it's wrong, but it was just that I had a very, uh, 
and and in my mind thinks this way, but I have a very analytical mind, right? And and yeah. like and I built it to be almost to a different I built myself to be very like like IT oriented, if that makes sense, right? Or even like disconnected and methodical. Yes. I guess that's I guess that's what I was thinking, right? It's and 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 I'm slowly breaking out of that. And it's weird. It's weird. And I also And 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 your coworkers listen to the podcast. Yeah, they do. I know. That's crazy, right? Hello, coworkers. Yeah. Um but it's fun to be on a team where it's a collaborative effort too. Like I never realized yeah. what collaboration was until I actually started working on this team. So that's really fun. It's there's something really really incredible about getting the clarity around the values piece, which is why if, if listeners, you haven't looked at the, the, uh, the personal development sheets that come with each episode, episodes one and two are really about defining your personal values. And when you can find work environments that really are in alignment with your, with your life values, it doesn't mean that you're worshiping at the cult of your employer. That's not what it is. It's just when you can show up, as most authentically yourself, maybe not a hundred percent, maybe it's 95%. Hey, that's pretty good mm-hmm. that you don't feel like you're doing the additional labor. Yeah. You know, as, as like we said earlier, this is, this is work for us, but man, this is so much fun. Yeah, like, I love, we could probably go on for hours and hours. I don't, and I don't want, I know. I'm trying you know, to be, Roger has to edit the show. You know Roger has to edit the show. I will say I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy our chat. It's the editing part. Not that there's anything wrong with the editing. It's just, that's not the, it's not very fun or flashy, right? Like that's not exciting. Yes. It's just like listening yes. to audio and saying, okay, I'm going to cut this out because I feel like we probably talk too much here or something, right? So, yes. Um, yeah. But I enjoy our chats. So I do. I, I do. And, you know, and I, I enjoy our chats and I enjoy the enthusiasm that people have for the podcast. It's so deeply appreciated. Thank you again for all of your lovely comments and your reviews and your shares and and your engagement with us. And I hope that you have found this podcast to be sincere and kind and loving. So let us uh, wrap up the show. And thank you so much for hanging out with us on episode four of Gene Gene, the sequel machine of Games, Grit and Gratitude. Real talk with Gene Leggett.